This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Well, well, well. If it isn't the guy that said, Cam, I think the Jays can pull this out. Where is he? Oh, he's in the booth there. He's gone. Yeah. He said, take this $5 and lay it on the Jays. And I said, I will not. I will just throw it down the street. It's Winnipeg Jets game day, uh, the final game of the preseason tonight at Canada Life Center, the Ottawa Senators in town. Um, A pregame at... Uh, five o'clock puck drop at seven. We're going to get into that. We got the lines, what they're looking like. We got Paul Edmonds joining us right after twelve thirty uh, to hear some of his comments yesterday. He said Billy Hainala is a lock to make the team uh, when when things get going uh, next week on uh, October well, on October eleventh against the uh, Florida Panthers when they the Calgary uh, Flames. The Calgary Flames. Yeah, then no, at fl- home against FLA. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. On the 13th, on the 14th against uh, against Florida. I don't know why it was. Uh, did it fly by or? No, it drags. Preseason drags. always drags. Always drags. Oh, Too many always. preseason games. Yeah. We'll get to that in uh, in just a moment. But, man, we got to we got to talk some Blue Jays right off the bat here, Jim. Are we going to talk off the bat, Blue Jays? Right off the bat, Blue Jays. On a game Jay. day? Yeah, we are. Okay. Because this is the story. This is this what's is going the- on. Well, it's um, okay. First of all, if you missed, it the is game, a hockey story too because analytics played because into that analytics role play into yes. it. No doubt about it. Um, we'll talk about the role of analytics. Uh, but the Blue Jays got swept. They lose two nothing yesterday. They leave eighteen people on base all throughout the entire season. I mean, throughout this entire series. Um, they score one run. Yesterday, uh, uh, Jose Barrios gets taken out. After 47 pitches, um, he gets pulled in favor of Yusei Kikuchi's coming out. Uh, uh, Southpaw, they want him to go up against uh, the next uh, a series of the next Twins batters that are left-handers, right? Analytics tells you that that is uh, a good news. Obviously, there was a decision made within the Blue Jays organization. Uh, and then subsequently, the two runs that the Minnesota Twins needed to win that game uh, get scored in that inning off of Yusei so Kikuchi. All you have to say is there was a plan. And it's the o- plan was in it's that okay situation. To have a plan. It's yeah. okay to have a plan. The plan was in that situation to take Barrios out. Yeah. The plan has to be dictated by the game. It just does. And I, I don't know how many times on any airwave I've said this. Analytics are a great tool are valuable asset and need to be a part of pro sports. Mm-hmm. They should not be decision makers. Yes. Um, now I say that there was a plan based on the analytics of it. There was decisions being made there. I just, I don't get how you make that call given what you're watching. So we can go around and around and around on this. Analytics are a tool they're heavily into hockey, and I think they're a valuable asset, and I, I use them myself. Every year, they get more and more But all I've ever heard from, about, from the diehard analytic community is I'm like, well, make me a roster of analytically great players then. Give me four forward lines of the best analytical players and, and tell me if you would run that up against the current Edmonton Oilers or LA Kings yeah. or Winnipeg Jets. I just – the problem is there's, there's a lack of mix left in it for some – managers for some coaches and it this is a game based on every game is based on heart 
momentum and courage to a certain extent. Emotion. It's an emotional game always. Emotion. You can't put numbers on that. You just can't. Yeah. You're never going to convince me that when you're on the within the five yards of winning a Super Bowl that you can't grab Marshawn Lynch by the face mask and say, go win me a Super Bowl, and I will bet a percentage play higher than that. You than have looking jo- a guy yeah. in the eye and going, you're a beast. Go win me a Super Bowl. Get this ball in the end zone. Compared to week seven of the regular season, that tells me this slot slot pass is a higher percentage play. Situations are different. The yes. playoffs are different than the regular season. That's it. And listen, and when you have John Schneider come out, the manager of the Blue Jays said, yeah, Jose Barrios was having the best stuff he had all year, maybe. And it's like, well, and, and you don't want every decision to be dictated by the emotion of the moment. Logic has to, you know, has to be a part of the decision-making process. It's great to have a plan, but these aren't robots out there. They're not Vulcans. You know what that made me think of? It's played by emotional human beings. And emotions can drive wins in playoff games, in any game. Emotion can take things over. He was having his best start of the season. That changes my plan. Yeah. Well, the plan was... If he's having a normal start for him, if he's having a good start, if he's having a top five start of the season, then I lean on my plan. But when he's having the best start of his season, I... I associate that to him being in a do-or-die playoff game. He's dialed up what I'm accustomed to seeing from him, and I'm going to roll with this a bit more. Dwight Eisenhower famously said, in preparing for battle, I've always found, I've, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. I just it, it, Those comments from Schneider reminded me of John Gibbons in a one-and-done playoff game against Baltimore – when Marcus Strollman had an ERA against the Orioles that year in four to six starts of over 18, mm-hmm. and he put him on the bump. And everybody said, why are you doing this? He has an ER 18-plus against the Orioles this year. He goes, because I know his heart. I know he's a competitor. I know he's a – now we know Marcus Strollman. Yeah. Like, he's a hothead. He's yeah. But there's a coach going, if I can get this guy dialed in and use that fiery competitive nature, and he got six score, six innings out of him. Yeah. And they won that game. So. Yeah. It was a walk-off, I think, by Encarcinero. But we have we can list net time and time again over this. Like, Marco Dano is an analytical darling. Marco Dano had all the great possession numbers, yep. goals by six, all that stuff of any Jet player for a season or two. And, and I kept having people scream at me, why is he only playing seven minutes? Well, because he's not scoring. It's the and he's g- not back-checking. And he hasn't hit anybody in a while. And I liked Marco Dano. I thought he was a great, yeah. uh, not great, he was a good hockey player. But I'm not playing him more than an analytically poor Mark Shifley because Mark Shifley is going to score more goals than him. It's a tool. He might give up more, but. Analytics are a tool, Jim. They are a tool towards, but. Yeah. So you and, also need, like, what, what makes a good manager is understanding the situation. A good it's a mani- game. All games are emotion and heart. And if you if you just run by the numbers, you're going to get burnt. Yeah. If you just live by the numbers and not what's in front of you, you have to mix it both. You have to go like, oh, he's feeling it today. Maybe I'll go one more batter, even though the numbers tell me this. Or you might go, you know, the plan was at 47 pitches against this left-hander, but he doesn't have it, so I'm pulling him now. Yeah. You just have to go by what you're seeing and not what the numbers tell you. Could, you could just have a light. You can have like a little number sign. If, if we're just going by numbers, why have a manager? 
Like just have a number go like 14. What does 14 represent? Well, because of all these situations, the decisions are to be made for Here's you. Here's a flip side of that. The Jays are up five, nothing in that situation at 47 pitches. And this guy's coming up. Are you pulling barriers? No, I'm not. So why are you doing it when it's nothing, nothing? It doesn't make sense. Um, but what that play that that's getting all the talk, but what was much worse in my mind, because you know, you don't know the situations. Jose Barrios may have went in there and got lit up the next inning and gave up f- f- four runs. You never know. Baseball is was one v one. It's it's a series of individual battles. You don't know what's going to happen, right? The other team could perform. What you can control is not getting picked off on second base like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did. That you can control. That you just have to be paying attention. I don't. Th- you know what? I'll they say this don't. about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is a good baseball player. He's not a great baseball player. Well, I don't know. He's had a bad year. Here's what I'll say about the Blue that, Jays, yeah. and you can cut me off anytime because I'm a broken record. I've said it before on the air and many times off it. They don't know how to play fundamental baseball. They don't know how to get a run in. They don't know how to get a run on, over, and in. They don't run the bases well. They're horrific at it. Um. And I could go on and on to be as many in the media have already said asleep at the wheel at second base in a, in a do or die playoff game is ridiculous. Yeah. And I think from what I've through speculation and heard around the Toronto Blue Jays a couple of years ago, they wanted rid of Montoyo because he would tell these young kids all the time. You don't know how to play baseball. Mm-hmm. You're really good baseball players, but you don't know how to play the game. And since then I've watched the Blue Jays not run the bases well, get picked off on bases, to overrun bases and get thrown out when they should have stayed. And baseball's a game the score, especially in the playoffs, dictates to you what you should do. That was on the Jays' postgame show after game one. If it's 1-1, Bichette should go. If it's 3-0 and you have runners on base, and just because a ball gets through a third baseman, you don't go unless you know you can make it. You don't get picked off at second with your best player up at bat when you need to win this game. Yeah. So, like, they're a bunch of really good star-studded baseball players, and I'm not talking about the Kiermeyers and the Espinals and guys like that. The star players on this team do not know how to play baseball. Bichette went into the outfield last year and ran into his center fielder and injured him, and that's not the part I have a problem with. The problem I have with him going out there is who's covering second when the bases are loaded? That's supposed to be you. At worst case, if Springer doesn't get that ball, one run comes across, not three. So I don't know what to say anymore about the Blue Jays. They're my second favorite team, but they, yeah, they don't I, know how to play baseball. They can't get a run in. And and just to one more point, yeah. in Cleveland, they had bases loaded twice this year and got one run with no outs. They had six outs with bases loaded twice, and they got one run in. The Astros load the bases and get three singles and get three runs across with the bases loaded. You don't need to hit the long ball. You need to know how to play baseball. We're going to get to lots of Jets talk. Well, let's cut, let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side of the sports minute. I'll give you the lineups. Who's in, who's out. Uh, there was a, a selection of guys getting in the second group. We'll go through the lines. Paul Edmonds is going to join us. Going to get right into hockey talk uh, when we come back in out of 1230 uh, with Skylar Peters. And then, of course, time for your guys' comments, 204-780-6868. This texture says, uh, Jay's at noon for one day only, and it's already done. We're already moving on. But uh, when you have a situation that happened like like yesterday, 
if you got a sports show, listen, I got to follow my gut. We got to talk Jays right off the bat. We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Winnipeg Jets lineup uh, today, uh, according to the morning skate. Uh, we're going to be seeing Connor Shifley and Velarde back together on the top line. That's going to be followed by Ayafalo, Perfetti, and Nito Niederreiter. Um, uh, Barron uh, is going to be moved up to play with Lowry and Appleton, and then Gustafson is going to be with Kapari and Nemesnikov. The only guy missing from sort of the, the, the top 12, the first four lines, is Nick Ehlers, who is skating in a second group. Uh, later on afterwards, which included Axel Janssen, Fialbi, uh, Parker Ford, Declan Chisholm, uh, Capo Bianco, uh, Nikonin, uh, who's, of course, injured. Those two guys injured as well as, and then Brossois was skating in that second group. Defensive lines, uh, Morrissey and DeMello, Sandberg and Pionk, uh, Dylan and Hainola, and then Stanley and Schmidt were the uh, fourth pairing there, and then Hellebach is going to be starting in that tonight. I am going to keep an eye on Hainola. Yep. I'm going to keep an eye on Perfetti. Um, Perfetti. Yep. I'm going to keep an eye on Connor Shifley Velarde. And I'm going to keep on, an eye on Gustafson and Kapari. Yeah. You think it's a 13th forward to say? You think that's already been taken? I think so. I think it's Gustafson's to lose. Yeah. So do I. So do I. I really do. But um, it sounds like we're going to talk with Paul Edmonds about this. But even Rick Bonus's comments of, you know, we'll find out tonight about Hainola, nothing definite. But. Look, I if he's ready, he looks ready. Let's let's have this. Let's go. We'll hear from Rick Bonus right when we come back from the twelve thirty news. Don't go anywhere. Chats at noon on six eighty CJOB. We're going to find out Thursday night, but we're very very happy. But I've just talked to him again about that. He's he's done everything he can to make this hockey club. Uh, so we're very very happy where he is. Love the attitude he came in with. We uh, when we talked to him over the summer, like you're going to be given every opportunity. We played him a lot of games, played him in every situation, and like I've always said, players cut themselves if it's a bad performance or what, or getting outplayed by somebody else. And Billy certainly hasn't done either one of those. He, he's he's listen. He's 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 done a great job. Billy Hanela, he's going to be matched up. Uh, with Brendan Dillon tonight on that third pairing. Uh, lots of minutes, I think, uh, on the ice for Ville Hainala, who's certainly impressed. And to uh, uh, talk about it, we bring in Paul Edmonds, voice of the Winnipeg Jets, right here on 680 CJOB. Pre-game show gets going at 5, puck drop at 7. Uh, Paul, how you doing? Yeah, real good, guys. Uh, looking forward to this one tonight and then getting at it uh, next week for real. You wrote a piece uh, with us here on 680 CJOB, your Wednesday Jets commentary. Uh, where I don't, I'm not even sure you suggested. You said that Ville Hainala is going to be on uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Do you, do you care to elaborate, uh, perhaps a little bit? Well, I mean, I stand by what I've seen, and Ville's been close for the last couple of years. There's no denying that. And you know, if you talk to certain communities uh, in our market here, they would say that he was stifled by playing in the minors and should have been here long ago. But there were some deficiencies in his game. Uh, one being sometimes he was easily pushed off the puck and he just had to get a little bit stronger and then he had to be able to defend better. And I've seen all of that through the skates and then certainly through the games that he's played. Um, Billy is not only an offensive gifted player that can skate and move the puck, but he had to certainly look at uh, where you're playing and that's defense. So defense comes first. He's improved those areas where he was a little bit more libelous. And from that standpoint, I think that Billy Hainla has outperformed a lot of players uh, that he's competing with. Certainly the younger guys, uh, in Declan Chisholm and Logan Stanley. 
and he might have pushed into the lineup uh, superseding a veteran or two. And Rick Bonus has talked about that, that he's had some guys that have played a little bit better than some of the veterans, and that's where they were looking to maybe make some moves and, and have some improvement within their, their feeding of their organization from the bottom up. Uh, Billy, I don't think, is, has out, been outperformed by anybody, quite frankly, gentlemen. Um, he has done everything that you've asked him to do, including those areas where he was a little bit raw back in you know, the earlier days when he was 18, 19, 20, and even going back to last year. I think the time has arrived for Billy Hainla to be on this roster. Uh, he also presents a bit of a dynamic sort of player from that back end as well, where he can make a really good first pass. Uh, he's very good offensively. Um, and right now, for what he's doing to push into the lineup, not only is he maybe trying to earn a spot in the top six or seven, or maybe eight, depending on where he falls into, uh, but at the same time, this guy's playing on his opposite side, and he'll be there again tonight. And I asked that question of Rick Bonus today, and I said, what do you like about him being on his opposite side, which is the right side for left-handed shooting Billy Hanel? And he said, we don't have any other options, so if he wants to play, that's where he's going to have to play. He's been very adept there as well. So I don't see how Billy Hanel will find himself um, not on the opening day roster. And frankly, gentlemen, I don't know how he's not in the opening day lineup. Uh, Winnipeg Jets PR just put this out. I'll just sneak this in that forward. Henry Nikkinen uh, has been assigned to the Manitoba Moose. And Elias Salomonsen to the Swedish Hockey League, to his team there. So we were talking about that earlier in the week. Just wanted to update our listeners that uh, he was with the Moose. Some people asking why, because of the deal as a second-rounder or lower pick, uh, he is now uh, assigned to his uh, team in the Swedish Hockey League. Um, Paul, so what's left to be decided tonight, if anything? Well, I think Billy Hainla and certainly his permanent structure on on that blue line uh, will be decided. Uh, Rick Bonus was asked about that today, and he said that will come tonight. Um, I think you're still looking at uh, who's going to be, um, I think, your seventh and eighth defensemen or or your six, seven, and eight. Um, so is that Chisholm? Is that Stanley? Is that somebody else? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but you're also looking at uh, probably your 13th forward as well, and somebody has to kind of depart and, and be waived and probably go down to the moose as well. So um, there's still a couple of question marks to be made here or answers to those questions as to what is your 23-man roster going to look like by Sunday when I believe the deadline, Sunday or Monday is the deadline. So there's still you know some, some open spots. But the interesting part about that is, Jimmy and Cameron, I have asked, and so have other players or other uh, reporters of the players and the coaching staff about you know whether you feel that you can have one game is going to really sway things in, in your favor. And the coaching staff has said, no, not really. So is their mind made up? Well, if that's the case where you don't think that one game can sway your decision as to who you're going to take, sort of on the bottom of your depth chart on your forward core or on your defensive blue line, then I don't know, you know, if you're going to be able to kind of win over a job tonight if you're one of those players that's in. But what you can do is make a further impression and maybe be a recall or give them something more to consider about what they've already thought about. So uh, that's what's left for me tonight is is maybe those those bottom end guys. Um, we knew from going into training camp that the the top end guys and and where everything kind of structured uh, from the beginning was not going to have a whole lot of fluctuation to it. Yeah, I mean, Bones has talked chemistry, 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 hey, Paul, and uh, that, that's been something consistent and something that has been a little bit lacking based on illnesses and injuries, and, and Nick Ehlers in there too, uh, yet to get in any preseason game action. Uh, and 
is he really going to start that far behind? Is is he going to be a, a few yards back of, of everybody else? Or, you know, is it still just the preseason and the regular season totally separate? Well, I, I think for a guy like Nikolai, who's in tremendous shape, it will just be getting up to game speed. So I think any time that you're not fully engaged in what's going on with the practice routines and certainly any of the uh, preseason games, you kind of miss that part. So there is some catch-up to do. But for Nikolai, he's been around long enough that I don't believe that that's going to take a whole lot of time when he gets back into the lineup. It might take a game, might take a game in a practice, a couple of practices in the game. Um, but after that, uh, you know, the other thing is, too, I mean, the only thing that I look at is maybe developing some chemistry with Cole Perfetti and Nino Nino Niederreiter where he was going to be playing or penciled into play to start the year. So that chemistry might take some time. But these guys have played with each other long enough. They've, they certainly understand and they've watched the, the guys on the bench and, and Cole Perfetti go out and perform. You know kind of what he's going to do. So, yeah, there's still some chemistry to absorb for these guys, especially for Nikolai that hasn't played a lot. Um, but I don't think it's going to be uh, – it's not going to take a week or two to catch up. If things play out the way um, we're all talking about right now, Paul, who's going to the waiver wire? Well, that's a good question, Jim. Um, and I mean, if you don't want to say names, that's fair because we should probably wait for Rick Bonus. But I'm, I just mean, like, is it a couple of defensemen? Is it like a forward? Like, what are we sort of seeing here? Well, I believe it's only one guy that has to go, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, here's the thing: whoever you go, if if Billy makes this team, let's just put it this. Yeah, that's way. what I wanted to ask you. Basically, Billy Thank makes you. this team. Anybody that you expose in the waiver wire is going to be eligible to be claimed by somebody else. So you run the risk of, of losing them. So I guess from that standpoint, if you're the coaching staff, you pick your poison. Okay, who and management, who are you willing to risk losing? And so that's where you have to create a tertiary of probably the three guys that uh, that would be that possibility of, of going down, right? So I'm not quite sure who it would be. Um, there's reasons to probably keep uh, every one of the guys, and there's probably a reason or two as to why you would maybe want to expose them. So that's what's sort of kind of hanging the balance here is, okay, what are you prepared to lose if you put somebody on the waiver wire? And that's kind of probably one of the decisions that you're trying to make right now. That will be interesting to me. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's kind of the moment that this whole preseason has been kind of working towards. It's like what's going to happen with the waiver wire? This has been the it's been the hot topic. Yeah, well, and especially because well, Villy's played so well. Go ahead, Sorry, Paul. Guys. They've lost a couple of guys in the past. I mean, this has jumped up and, and bit them before when it's come to you know Michael Wasemont and to Jonathan Kovacevic. I mean, you know, from that standpoint, uh, they didn't want to lose either one of those guys, but they had a glut of players here, and they had to trim their roster. It's just what the league rules are. So. From that standpoint, it has to be strategic. It has to be the player that you waive or are going to put on waivers that's going to be eligible to be claimed, and you have to know that going in. And that's why I think there's a lot of consideration and consternation that goes in to making those decisions at that point of the season. The only good thing about it is everybody else is doing that right as the same time is for everybody. So what you're trying to do, and I don't know that there's any hiding on the waiver wire, but I will say this, you're trying to move a guy down at the same time everybody else is moving a guy down or or through the waiver wire at the same point. So maybe he gets kind of caught up in the shuffle and, and uh, nobody really sees him go down. But 
you know, that's, uh, I think, hopeless, uh, or that's some hopeful thinking from an organizational standpoint. So we'll see what happens. A bonus has made a couple comments, uh, Paul, in regards to, you know, saying a, f- a few times is, you know, we made big strides last year in, in getting to where we, we want to be at this point of this year. Um, Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, they were both talking about team identity yesterday, you know, being being tough to play against, um, a team that, that, that drives offense using defense. And, and that's all well and good. I understand it's a preseason. You're giving guys opportunities. You're seeing remnants of that starting to really drive home. Well, I think we started last. We started to see it last year. I mean, their goal production from the blue line was up, and I saw some of that on Monday night in Calgary. No, it wasn't sustained, but it certainly was evident, and that was the ability of the Winnipeg Jets to forecheck and, and hem teams into their own zone, and then to be able to not give up as many opportunities. They gave up probably too many goals to the coaches' liking in that preseason game against Calgary, but they were hard to play against in their own zone as well. And and not only that, but there was probably four or five instances throughout the game where the forwards came back to help the D inside the blue line of the Winnipeg Jets zone. So that for me, Cameron, is all of those things that you talk about being harder to play against and being tight as a group um, because you're a five-man unit on the ice. So yeah, I have seen that to be frank. I mean, there's been improvements in that and they knew that they improved. I mean, the goals against last year were way down. Their net goal yep. for and goal against differential was at 22, which the year before was only at five. So they had a major improvement in certainly keeping goals out. So from that standpoint, they even want to get better. And I see the the slow sort of implementation of that still coming in and, and it improving incrementally as they've gone along here. But there's still some room to to grow and and more growth as the coaching staff is always going to be kind of pursuing that because nothing's ever going to be perfect. You know, and last one for you, but speaking of that Flames game, listening to you, Paul, call it and discuss it on the post game and everything like that. It's kind of interesting how the two franchises will meet next Wednesday to open the season where uh, the Calgary Flames are going to, you know, stop being maybe that grinded down, win two, one games and and maybe open up a bit to get some, some speed going and, and some scoring and the Jets are doing the opposite, right? Like they're just not as is um, I don't know the the high end skill in the top six, but yet it's a more even lineup and one that's going to kind of take on that m- sort of mantra of the Flames in the years past of of outwork somebody and and get a get a one goal win. Well, the Flames number one didn't make the playoffs last year, so they're not going to be very happy. So they'll want to get out of the gate and certainly try to get off on the right foot, right? Game eighty. 80- one or at game one of 82 leaving 81 left you're going to say okay well we're kind of moving along if they are successful against the jets the jets know what's coming but for me jim what's going to be interesting is there was some uh let's just say tempers that flared in that game on monday between the two teams that preseason game broken stick with brendan dillon um you know elias lindholm chirping the bench and the players on the ice after he scored that power play goal those things don't get forgotten and Both somebody, games are a chippy, eh, Paul? Both of them. It, it got chippy, and as somebody mentioned to me yesterday, and this isn't me, you know, get your tickets now, try to, you know, kind of hype this game up, but I just see what I see. And I think that it's going to be an intriguing game because it's game one, and everybody will have sort of that passion to them and that zeal to them, right, about getting it started on the right foot, like I mentioned. But there's going to be a little bit more to it between these two teams because of the carryover from the preseason. And certain, certainly the Pospisil hit on, on Perfetti, he won't be in the lineup. But, I mean, those things don't get forgotten. And as one of the Jets players said to me yesterday, he said, well, the Calgary Flames – 
certainly don't have the uh, the toughness that they have in the lineup that they had last year. So when it comes to us maybe getting back uh, for a few things that might have been said with a hard hit and then having to defend yourself, the quote was, they don't have Uncle Luch there anymore, that being Milan Lucic. So let's see what happens next week on the 11th when the two teams hook up in Cowtown. Have a great call tonight, my friend. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, Anytime. Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Pre-game at 5, puck drop at 7 right here on 680 CJOB. Final game of the preseason. Ottawa Senators here in town. Um, what do you make of that, the 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 situation with the Winnipeg Jets and their identity? Is, is there a, is there leeway you're willing to give them? Or is it like you already had all of last year to figure this out? Is this I, I think it'll be better. I, I think yeah. much like Josh Morrissey joined us and Adam Lowry when he was named captain talked about, I look, Rick bonus comes in, you try to do some things, you get underway. It's a new regime, blah, blah, blah. They're very familiar now with what there's, yeah. there's some tweaks to last year and what they want, but they're more familiar with it. Um, I, I think there's the learning curve is a lot lower. It, there's not as much to be learned and there's some things to be honed. And I, I think that they'll be better at it this year. Yeah. Look, they cannot collapse like they did last year. They can, every team in my opinion goes through a week and a half to three week time where they just can't find their game for whatever reason, uh-huh. injuries, travel, it's when, whatever they just, they couldn't get out of it last year. And that's the key to me is I think this is more of a lineup that when things go awry for a game to three, that like the style that they play and, and the, the will get them out of a, a little bit. I, of I, I think that there's there, if Billy Hanel does make this team, there'll be a little bit more bounce, a little bit more offense from the defense uh, as well. I, I think there's a more balanced lineup. There's going to be other guys that, Hey, these guys aren't going, we'll be able to dig you out. It's not just throwing out the exact same guys and, and, and expecting them to score, which of course you do. If they're the top guys on your team, but there's a little bit more of a balanced attack. And I, and I think that's going to help them. But Jim, and we'll go to break here. Um, the big tell is when they go through a four game stretch, they're going to lose four in a row at some point in the season. Likely are they yes. going to be able to dig themselves Can you find out of your it? way to, you know, not even deserve to win a game, but win it. One game in six, yeah. you know, and a, a, an OT and, and three said, points in six games. Like, that's going to happen. What and are as you I do said, coming it? in, Cam, to this training camp, Shifley Hellebuck, by far the most number one story. Number two is, can less goals equal more wins? You're not going to score as much, I don't think. Can you give up a lot less and get more wins? And look, there was a long time I was looking at this line, wondering that without Connor Hellebuck, but with Connor Hellebuck, I think they can get more wins by not allowing as many goals. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. How much of this can we believe, Jim? Gary Bettman, after the Board of Governors meeting, says he told owners the very preliminary revenue projections suggest a salary cap bump to between $87 million and $88 million for next season. So that would be an increase of three and a half to four and a half. That's, we'll have to that's, see. that's a game changer. That's if the Winnipeg Jets want to keep Connor Hellebuck. That's that cash right there. Well, that's three, yeah, an extra three million on the yeah. six he's making, or yeah. Mark Shifley. Yep. Um, if it's not going up a mill or or what have you, it gives you more room and and flexibility for sure. Um, it's long overdue, but um, you know, I I think it's a great thing. I think it helps the Jets. It helps every yeah. team. It usually goes up a mill, maybe two, right? So. But it's been a while, and escrow is what he was talking about there. So I think it's a positive, but that is a difference. Like, And to the difference of what we were talking about yesterday, and I do want to clarify yesterday, Cam, 
when we were talking about uh, with Murat and the topic of of the number of free agents came up, uh, Kelly Moore, I referenced the work he did it on September fifteenth. There was two hundred and two. Um, UFAs. Now those have gone down. Minnesota signed some players. Calgary signed some players. But uh, I said more than 200. You know, it, it, it's now less than 200. But the, the point I was trying to make was, and give Kelly credit for his work, was the fact that there'll be over 150, 160 players by the time, it, minimum, by the time next offseason rolls around. And with three to four extra million in cap space, that changes what could be available. That changes what wasn't available this year for the guys that signed one year $5 million deals. To the teams that want to acquire a Connor Hellebuck, but he wants $3 million more than he's making. Jim Tolto take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much to Jeffrey Forche for producing the show. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. Game day, pregame at 5. Puck drop at 7 right here. That's we'll be game. here right back here at 12.10 to break it down. See ya. Free for all Friday tomorrow too. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.